and you are listening to Boobs, Blood, and Horror, the Hammer Horror Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm your co-host, Ro Lauren. And tonight we are talking about The Curse of Frankenstein, another Hammer Horror movie. In fact, the first Hammer Horror movie. This was actually came out before um, the uh, Horror of Dracula, and this was also directed by Terrence Fisher and starring... Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. And we're going to go right into our introduction for the episode. If you listened to the previous episode, you already know who we are. But we're going to go right into the plot synopsis for The Curse of Frankenstein. Our film opens with with Dr. Victor Frankenstein, played by Peter Cushing, telling his life story while awaiting his execution. In a flashback, it is shown that Victor inherited his family's estate after the death of his mother. He developed an interest in medical science and the origins of life after he was tutored by Paul Kremp, played by Robert Ukrart. Years later, Paul and Victor develop a close bond while collaborating on many scientific experiments. After the two successfully reanimate a dead dog, sets out to construct a man using body parts he acquired through various means. Meanwhile, Victor's fiancée and cousin, Elizabeth, played by Hazel Court, move into the home with him. After seeing the creature, Paul is repulsed by it and withdraws from the experiment. Victor assembles his creature, played by Christopher Lee, and brings it to life. The creature is violent and kills several people after escaping. Paul and Elizabeth threaten Victor, forcing him to throw an oil lamp on his creation and set it ablaze and plunge it into a bath of acid. Back in the present, Frankenstein is led to the guillotine. And this movie was released on June 25th, 1957. Filming locations happen to be in England at Buckinghamshire, uh, Ivor Heath, and Black Park. And uh, was eventually distributed by Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers will have their name on a lot of these movies. I wanted to point out that I have the DVD of this movie, and there's no bonus material on this DVD unless you count... um, theatrical trailers, seeing access, interactive menus to be bonus material, which I really do not. But apparently uh, the Blu-ray, which I don't know if this is the Blu-ray for the United States as well, but the Blu-ray for this movie has a making of featurette. Oh, really? I only have the DVD as well, so I didn't have that um, extra footage either. There's an INDB little thing about saying, but again, I don't know if the Blu-ray of this in the United States has this, or is this just the Blu-ray over in England? But uh, the DVD I have has uh, like the one of the many movie posters for this with the monster's hand leering over, I'm assuming, Frankenstein, uh, Dr. Frankenstein and his cousin. <laughs> That's awesome. What DVD do you have? I think I have the same... I think I have the same one. I don't have it in my hands, but I believe that's the same DVD that I have. It's a green font with a blue. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> you got to clap open the uh, the cover in order to yeah. put the inside. And the inside has uh, Christopher Lee as the Frankenstein monster. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, in blue below scene index. Yes. This, and by it's... the way, for anyone not familiar, is the original format for uh, DVDs to be released. And the plastic with the cardboard on the inside is <laughs> a plastic was kind of stapled around the cardboard. This is the oh, way DVDs yeah. were being released uh, in the early days of the DVD in the uh, early nineties. I think I have a couple like that still Yeah, released on DVD in 2002. Man, that feels so long ago now. It's <gasps> something on here about supplemental material and there's like no supplemental material on the DVD. Yeah, no, I didn't see any. Nope. Uh, all right, so the opening we have opening dialogue about who 
the curse of Frankenstein is. And then mm-hmm. the father shows up at the prison, um, and this is a, uh, Frankenstein is a baron, by the way. He is Baron Victor Frankenstein, which um, we're not going to do a lot of comparison to the novel because unlike the Dracula movie, there's no really other characters from the novel in this version of Frankenstein. Yeah, it's it's pretty different overall. Like even the even kind of like the tone and the characterization are are pretty different. <laughs> now I have some children's classic literature novels. Uh, I have a few for the monsters. I have Dracula and Frankenstein, and the Frankenstein they use in the art renditions for the cover and the inside little art pieces that are throughout the book. Um, you know, to to make it more appealing to kids, is actually of this version of Frankenstein played by Christopher Lee. Oh, wow. It's not like the other classic version we see with, like, the screws in the side of his head? Nope. It is definitely oh. this version of Frankenstein with the uh, the black, um, you know, uh, jacket and pants on. That is so cool. They had to make this version different than the uh, Universal version for copyright reasons. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, but the marketing for that version, I mean, marketing for any of these horror movies hadn't really become a staple yet and wouldn't really become a staple until like the 1970s and 80s. Right. But I mean, the Universal one, when, that one was in 1931, I believe. So how do you think the Frankenstein family made their fortune? I, you know, I want to say, I want to say Victor's dad probably did some some science science work as well since his dad reached out to paul and paul seemed to be like totally okay with that and no oh really oh yeah i know victor 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 was who actually reached out to to paul but victor framed it in the way that it was his father (laughs) so when paul shows up he was like oh yeah you know where's your dad (laughs) But how do you think the Frankenstein family made their fortune? Was it did it start with the father, or do you think they were old old money? Oh, I think they're old money. But how does the old money begin? And how far back do you think it goes? If we're in like what what time period are we in right now? Uh, I would say probably late eighteen hundreds. Okay. Based on the clothes. Yeah, right. Everyone's dressed like Dickens through the whole movie. They really they're like all fancy fancy like Victorian looking people. <laughs> Um, Even though, this is Swiss, isn't it? It's supposed to be like Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. So, but I still think it's like late eighteen hundreds. And in um, Switzerland, you get to eye out your cousin and say, "Yeah, I'm gonna have <laughs> yeah, her that's one fine. day." Keep it in the family. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is up with that? Why well, I think, is Victor I think, going to marry his cousin? I took that as the like uh, Elizabeth's mom really just wanted the money because she was very concerned about the money. <laughs> I mean, Elizabeth grows up to be, you know, our, you know, our hottie of the movie. She does. Um, ew. I know. <laughs> I was like, wait, you guys, it's not that it's implied that they're cousins. They straight up say it the, all the time. <laughs> I mean, Victor's in his 40s at this point. Yeah, she was like, uh, she had to be like t- less than 10 when they first met. It was it was really weird. Not really super happy about that. No, uh, uh, it was really weird. I think I remember reading on the trivia page that the girl that they wanted to play her, they wanted like a an actual four-year-old, which makes me even more uncomfortable <laughs> for that first scene with her. 
I mean, I understand back in the day, you women mm-hmm. would have to be wed by 16 because right. there was, I don't know, I guess couldn't give birth any. I mean, I understand like the, the, the time period of when women can give birth has been pushed back a lot, but it's still like up until you're like 40 is when the recommendation normally is by doctors, even to, by today's standards, they say, you know, you can give birth up until you're in your you know early 40s. And then after that, it becomes kind of, there's complications and stuff like that. Right. I mean, and I understand that's why our bodies start breaking down in our late 30s and 40s, you know, that you're going to get those kids out when you're 16 years old, but I don't know. Yeah, that whole bit was really weird. (laughs) Okay, so the actor who plays Paul, who is basically Frankenstein's friend the entire movie, up until he goes Mm -hmm. to prison, um, (laughs) and then he's just like, I don't know what monster you're talking about! You're crazy, man! I um, loved that. <laughs> yeah, it was played by Robert Urquhart. Urquhart. Yeah, I I don't know. It's I think he's like Irish, maybe. Right. Um, various bit part actor who was on The Saint and a bunch of stuff that I never saw. Um, <laughs> acted up until like the nineteen eighties, all the way up until he passed away in nineteen ninety five. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so really long career. Victor has this attitude problem the entire movie. Oh yeah, we are right when we're introduced to him. You can tell that he's got he's got like an attitude. He's I would say he's a bit of a sociopath and narcissistic. At least the fact that he lacks like he lacks empathy like for everyone. Uh yeah, especially anybody he kills or gets in his way. Oh yeah, he does everything so cold and cal- and the only time he makes it really seem like he cares, it's because he's, you know, getting something out of it. <laughs> but I mean, even when you see him as a child in that first beginning scene, it's made very clear that that's the kind of person that Victor is. <laughs> it really does seem like Paul doesn't age at all, but Victor ages like 40 years in the time that he's a teenager all the way up to when we get to modern day Peter Cushing, because Peter Cushing looks old as dirt in no matter what movie he's in. Yes. And this aging is just not well done. No, I was wondering about that too. I was like, okay, so you've got like two or three different people for uh, Victor, but it's just one one guy for Paul. You just grade his hair a little bit. <laughs> the one thing I want to point out about the actor who plays Paul, he reminds me a lot of Andy Serkis. Oh, okay. But these two remind me of Burke and Hare from that movie starring uh, Simon Pegg and uh, Andy Serkis, where they play the famous grave robbers. Oh, yes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Andy Serkis is in that. And not only that, but a lot of people know him as the, you know, the motion caption actor because he was mm-hmm. uh, Caesar in the uh, Planet of the Apes movies recently. And he was, of course, Gollum in the Lord of the Rings movies. And he was recently uh, Ulysses S. Claw in uh, Avengers Age of Ultron and Black Panther isn't he Snoke too? Yes, he is also Snoke, and he has been now been tapped to play to become. To, supposedly, rumor is he's the director of Venom too. Oh, cool! I guess so. I didn't like the first. One. <laughs> uh, so they bring a dog back to life, and I'm wondering if years later is this where they get the idea in the movie The Reanimator to bring the cat back? Okay, I was actually going to ask if you had seen that because Reanimator is one of my top favorite movies it's an easily in my top 10 and that whole scene that's all i can think about <laughs> uh, any particular scene in particular that's your favorite scene of all time oh well in reanimator obviously the severed head kind of linguist <laughs> <laughs> 
what woman doesn't like a good head? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love, I immediately thought of that scene where they bring the cat back and reanimate her. And he's like, don't, or no, don't expect it to tango. It's got a broken back. And then in this one, like, oh, the puppy just comes back and it's all happy be back how cute <laughs> they have that fake like, puppy sitting in the water for so long and then they finally cut to paul's face and cut back to the puppy yeah once the water's drained and the puppy yeah. is a, it's a real puppy just soaked <laughs> and i was like oh my god the little puppy it made me i don't know if but it also then makes me think of um star trek enterprise with porthos there's like a scene too where porthos their little dog gets sick and they put it in like a vat of water and it's a it's it's very, very weird. So I, I thought of so many different things <laughs> when that scene happened. Yes, Pothos, but I, uh, Captain, I was amazed. Captain Archer's uh, uh, beagle. Yes. Bringing the dead back to life bores Victor. He's like, no, <laughs> that's boring. Let's build a man. Yeah, and like um, Paul's like, this is awesome. We can do so much to help humanity. Think of all the progress we can make in in medical science and 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 like surgeries. And Victor's like, nah, let's go further. I need to create. I can't just bring back. I have to create a perfect person. I love the fact that they go, they say, hey, let's get the hanged body of a killer. Yeah, let's get the hanged body of a killer. But they don't use the guy's head, so I guess that's okay, because they go after a different brain. Yeah, because his head, um, I think Paul says the birds already got to his eyes, so I guess his, his head was a little messed up. Right. Or his face, at least. Yeah, so they have to restitch his face back together, but they put a different brain in the body, of course. Um, yeah. Is it like an abnormal brain, like in Young Frankenstein? <laughs> I love Young Frankenstein. Abby normal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching CNN's I Love the uh, uh, I, I, I love the Movies, and it's uh, the decade uh, 1970s, and they just covered that uh, in the <laughs> part that I'm paused on right now. Oh, that's awesome. So they steal this body, but nobody sees them? I guess not. I mean... I guess they don't care. It's the dead of night. Um, but that would be weird. You would think like the next morning when people go to look and there's no body there, that'd be a bit odd. But I guess because it's just a robber, no one cares. Paul is pissed at the, what, about their, what they're going to try and do. But my question is, is there any law that says you have to create life the old-fashioned way? Is there well, a Frankenstein law out there or something? Someone told me there is. There's a clone law. We have anti-cloning laws right. in the United States. But what about creating life like this i would say i guess it depends on how you go about doing it so like dead people have rights i suppose to compare like in some cases depending where you're at so you can't just like bring a bunch of dead people grave grave robbing's totally legal so you couldn't do it his way um and then i feel like there's some kind of like scientific or scientific ethics involved i'm not entirely opposed to it i mean i see things like with stem cells and with like creating we created what like a a heart i think from stem cells and grown in a lab i mean they're they're getting there (laughs) i think it depends after they have their debate about um creating life versus creating life we get our first little bit of hammer blood but this movie is a bit bloodless uh compared to the last one yeah there's like a couple like little scenes like where he like ru- he rubs it like blood on his shirt kind of or you just see it on his hands it's not a lot but i guess because what he's doing is pretty disturbing i suppose so the idea of in itself is pretty good and the maid um appears who victor happens to be schlepping on the side even though he's like <laughs> 
eternally engaged to his cousin. And the movie yeah. we've seen before, she was the vampire bride, played by Valerie Gaunt in the last movie. Yeah, I, she does. Like, I love Justine, the maid. But she sees a bitter end later on when uh, Frankenstein locks her in the uh, closet, locks her in the room with <laughs> the creature. Yeah, I love when uh, they you first see them together and that it's made apparent that they're having an affair. And she calls him Victor, I think. And then he tells her to call him Baron instead. I it, This cracked me up. It was like a two-second line. And it just was so funny to me. Yeah, I mean, hey, woman's going to know her place when she is the chambermaid. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, but you well, did not Well, I mean, he calls her a stupid him. little fool or yeah. later. I mean, if he plays his cards right and this was a porno, he could have both of them. Right? I mean, uh, if Elizabeth is kinky enough to want to bang her cousin, I mean, maybe she's into threesomes. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. And they're both they're both actually pretty cute. I would I would I feel like Victor would be okay with it. I feel like everyone would be okay with it. I'm sure there's a porno out there somewhere. <laughs> there probably is. I'm sure there is Frankenstein porn out there. <laughs> <laughs> if we thought of it, it exists. <laughs> it probably does exist. Then he pays 10 shillings. Okay, so what is a shilling in England? Really old money? That's all I know. I don't know. what. I'm not British enough to understand the differences. A British coin, a former British coin, and monetary unit equal to 1 20th of a pound, or 12 pence. So it sounds like uh, like nothing, I guess. Uh, yeah, former British coin, a monetary equal to, yeah, to one, uh, the shilling was a coin worth one twentieth of a pound sterling, or 12 pence. It was minted in the reign of Henry the Seventh uh, at the Testoon. It became known as the shilling from Old English Shilling, sometime hmm. in the mid-16th century, circulating until 1990, then they did away with it. I didn't realize it was that recent. Yeah. Wow. He pays 10 shillings for... Some eyeballs? Some eye- yeah, that's what it looks... Uh, no, I thought they were ears. Oh, maybe. Because yes. I thought maybe it was eyes because the crows or birds or whatever pecked out the eyes of the last guy and that they needed eyes. His performance in this scene where he gets either the eyes or the ears, I mean, it's, they're <laughs> not really well seen. No. Um, but his performance in this reminds me exactly that of Grand Moff Tarkin. Oh, yes. I didn't even think about that, but now that you say that... <laughs> it's that it's that withdrawn he just is like yeah i'm doing this he's so casual about about it all every single time he has to dismember a person or grab a corpse he's just extremely casual yeah but with like a cold calculating casual especially considering when justine tells him that she's pregnant with his kid and he's just like yep not gonna have any of that must kill you but not with my own hands I love I love when he was like, he's like, you're pregnant? Oh, okay, well, just say it's anyone else in the village. Pick any man. Everyone would believe you. Yeah, you're a whore. <laughs> Jesus, dude. <laughs> um, but hey, kudos on him. It's not what he looks like on the outside that matters. It, it doesn't matter what the monster looks like. He, that, so he, despite the fact that he's a murderer and a cheater and eventually a rapist, <laughs> hey, he doesn't care what the monster looks like on the outside. And that shows that he has character oh yeah he has that one line about um he doesn't it doesn't matter like, what the monster looks like good for him not seeing race gets... <laughs> not seeing skin just... not seeing a man's skin for his worth <laughs> but how he could just how he can murder your mistress at least exactly because he has that one line too and they're talking about where he's gonna get a brain of a very smart person when you put the brain in this ugly face 
it'll become a wise look. He'll just, he'll look more refined. And like, oh, all right, Victor, that's a stretch. But, you know, you go for it. You do it. I also, oh, there was another another line that he had. There's a lot of really good lines in this movie. But um, when they first get the uh, the robber's body and he's like all wrapped up in the liquid. And he was like, let him rest in peace while he can. And then immediately afterwards, he's like, let's have some food. I'm hungry. Like after like wiping the blood on his hand, like on his coat jacket. <laughs> Elizabeth's dress is our first amount of cleavage we get in this movie with the the boot. This movie mm-hmm. is very conservative, I think. There's not as much of the like revealing cleavage like we get in the other Hammer movies. Yeah, and actually, even compared, Justine doesn't have because she's in a full maid's outfit, yeah. and then she has her nightgown. Yeah, too bad she's not in vet the maid's outfit from Clue the movie, huh? Right. <laughs> very happy with that. Mm. But uh, yeah, um, Elizabeth has all these really low cut, I think they're called boat neckline dresses on, but like, oh, they almost always have like a little centerpiece right in the middle. Um, I think except for like her funeral outfit and her nightgown, everything else is that that same boat neck. Okay, so everything was very clean in Dracula's castle and everything looks really dirty in this entire set which is great because i think this mm-hmm. this captured the gothic atmosphere now in the other dracula movies we're going to get to because the next one we're going to be doing is the bride of dracula uh mm-hmm. the brides of dracula that they really like upped up that gothic appeal but again the horror of dracula just everything looked really clean yeah and i think that in horror of dracula everything was very contrasting so you had a lot of uh reliance on like shadows and and whatnot to kind of put you into the scene and I noticed immediately in this one, except for the prison, it was all very like bright, lots more bright colors, not nearly as muted. Like we had this like bright greens, some yellows, some purples, especially in his lab equipment, which was super cool. I was really I was really amazed at the at the, the whole lab setup. Um also wanted to point out that the actor who played young Victor Frankenstein was still working up till last year. No, no way. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, and he was also in, um, God, again, one of those actors just has, like, a career that just goes on and on and on, going back to 1953. Holy um, shit. A bunch of stuff I'd never seen before, uh, but, like, just a really long, long career. He was in The Magnificent Seven as well. Um, I like, um, that just made me think about how, because this, this movie is really important to, well, horror, but also Christopher Lee and Cushing, because they this is where like their friendship really started. Right. And they were in a few other things together before this, but they hadn't really talked. But this movie, um, apparently, they just really got along, and then they, kept, they just kept being like best friends till uh, Christopher Lee died. Um. The actress who plays uh, Elizabeth in this, whose IMDb photo does her just absolute justice. Oh my god, she looks fantastic in it. Uh, was also in The Mask of the Red Death, the band who couldn't, uh, who who could who could cheat death, an episode of Mission Impossible, and uh, I thought it was Planet of the Vampires she was in, based on the photo. So she was in some movie called Devil Girl from Mars, which I think could be the uh, the, uh, the the next name of your. Um, the your next uh cam girl video <laughs> that would be amazing but she's wearing like this weird black helmet again it made me think of the vampires from vampires from outer space 
Oh yeah, I see. I'm seeing that now. Yeah, she she passed away in uh, 2008. She was 82 years old. Oh wow! Getting anybody from a Hammer movie on this podcast would be absolutely amazing, but it would be it would be a stretch to see if that ever if if we could do that. We'd have to actually pull Victor Frankenstein. <laughs> okay, you want to hear some really whacked out stuff in terms of like who's still alive from age old cinema? I had no idea. Ooh, yeah. On the back of Horror Hound issue seventy eight, which has uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon as their cover piece, on the back <laughs> it lists their upcoming convention in September. And besides all of the normal actors you see at horror cons, like Shawnee Smith and Tobin Bell and uh, you know uh, uh, J- uh, Stephen Yoon. Um, they have Barbara Steele coming to their convention. I didn't know she was still alive. Me neither. She's 82 years old. And she's still going to the convention? Yeah. What a trooper. That's amazing. That's crazy. God. Um, Coming up on my show at some point in the future uh, is possibly two sets of guests, one of which are twin sisters of horror. Ooh, like from Shine, The Shining. <laughs> oh, no. I'm talking about possibly the Soska sisters. Oh, and a little lady I got to take to the airport, and sorry, I took to Quincy Market from a convention I was at back in June. Um, nobody important, just some woman <laughs> named Cassandra Peterson. What? Yep. I, how did you, how? Because I got to take her to the airport. Uh, sorry, I took her to Quincy Market from the convention that she was at, and we exchanged phone numbers, and we text back and forth once in a while. That is amazing. I know, it's great when I get a text from her. I'm just like, Cassandra needs to text me back. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah, that's like every once in a while when I talk to Malcolm McDowell, and I'm just like, Malcolm McDowell just texted me again. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. I got Malcolm McDowell's private information. <laughs> oh my god! No, nobody can have it. <laughs> <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, so he brings what looks like the mummy to life with the damaged brain. Paul <laughs> wants to leave. They just kind of bring it to life. Um, now, in the novel, it's not really explained, but it's believed that it's supposed to be with electric eels. Now, if you saw. Uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the movie starring Kenneth Branagh. That's what they use. Is that the, Robert is that the De Niro. black and white one? No, 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 no. This oh, is okay. the one from the 1990s starring Robert oh, De Niro okay. as the monster. I don't remember if I saw that one. Yeah, I, it, stars I... Kenneth, it's, it stars Kenneth Branagh, Robert De Niro, and uh, the woman Kenneth Branagh cheated on with that's married to Tim Burton. Oh, yes. Helen okay. Bob Carter. And now I'm looking. I have seen that one. Okay, yeah, Helen Bonham Carter, because he was married yeah. to. Uh, uh, I almost said Jane Austen. Uh, oh shit, what's her name? Oh, she was a uh, frick. What the hell's her name? <laughs> oh god, I can't remember. Very well known, very pretty British actress. Uh, okay, regardless. So that they those three were the that that movie. Um, Helen Bonham Carter, Kenneth Branagh, and Robert De Niro is the monster. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In an interview with Christopher Lee, he didn't take the makeup off because of the process of getting it on and off. And when he they broke for lunch, people were so repulsed by him, nobody would want to sit next to him. <laughs> 
I, you know, I believe that because uh, the makeup, I would say, still holds up today. It looks amazing. So the brain that they use was supposed to be from the guy that came to the house, the, uh, you know, the the professor, the really smart mm-hmm. guy, who, by the way, I love it when Victor kills him. He's like, look out, I'm going to kill you. And he just pushes him off the balcony. And he's like, look out, and just pushes him. <laughs> Why the fuck would you warn somebody? He's this feeble old man. It's not like you couldn't overpower him and kill him. In my notes, I was like, wow, Victor lost his mind. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the creature, which by the way, okay, we need to point this out right now, and I'm not going to bring it up over and over and over again. If you have ever in your fucking life said the creature is called Frankenstein, you are a fucking moron. Yeah, the that's one of my pet peeves. Is just the creature. Frankenstein yeah. is the scientist who created the creature. I, I feel like that's. It's not even like that's a hidden thing. I don't know where people are fucking that up. <laughs> because people are fucking idiots. And this includes Hollywood studio executives who did this. They tackle this brilliantly in a little movie from the 80s called The Monster Squad. Whereas one of the uh, questions they ask in their little indictation to The Monster Squad is, is Frankenstein the monster or the creature? No, sorry, is Frankenstein <laughs> the scientist or the creature? The scientist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's uh, yeah. That's one of my pet peeves. It really, really irritates me when people do that. He does not have a name. He's just the creature, or as other people call him, the monster. Paul thinks he's a monster or a man, but he doesn't have a name. Okay, so did you ever see the TV series Penny Dreadful on Showtime? I did not. Oh my god! Do you have Netflix? Yes. Okay, the all three seasons are on Netflix. Oh, okay. I know. I remember when it was out, and I was like, "Oh, that looks that was pretty good." And I just never got around to watching it. Ava Green, so fucking hot in that show. Oh yeah, she looks great. But I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in my life when that show was out. That I just didn't get around to watching it. In the show, they have the monster of Frankenstein, and he looks just like this. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I love too when he, um, you know, after Paul shoots him in the uh, when he escapes. And then when he comes back and he's got the really messed up eye. Oh, yeah. And he's got the really messed up, like, piece over, like, where the wound was that Paul shot him in the head. Yeah. Oh, it's just the makeup was is so cool. Yeah, the monster really like... looks like shit by the end of this movie. Oh, he really does. I feel like this might be one of my favorite, um, like, iterations of the way Frankenstein looks. Now, I, I just love it. <laughs> now, do you, do you, did, um, which had you seen first? The Curse of Frankenstein or Young Frankenstein? Young Frankenstein. Okay. When you saw the Curse of Frankenstein afterwards, did you hope that maybe the monster was going to ravage Justine like uh, the the monster did to uh, the um, uh, the monster ravages Frankenstein's original fiance, right? Because when he comes to England, he meets the new woman and yeah. starts falling in love with her. Yeah. And she's yeah. just all like, oh my god, it's so big. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. I was thinking about Young Frankenstein and I was like, man, I might have to watch that movie again. It's been a couple years. <laughs> Peter Boyle. <laughs> so good. Peter Boyle played the creature in, the, in Young Frankenstein. Yeah. I was trying to think. It also, it also made me think, oh, I was also, I was in, it was interesting to me 
that in this version, he wasn't really very sympathetic. Like, I, I'm very used to Frankenstein being, a, or Frankenstein's monster having, <laughs> now I almost did because we were talking about it. I'm so used to the monster having, like, a lot of sympathetic qualities, and you kind of feel bad for him by the end of the movie. And while it very lightly touches on that when he's, like, chained to the wall, it doesn't really ever go there, and you never really get that. You're just kind of like, oh, okay, this is an experiment gone horribly wrong. Well, you also have to think about how many different Frankenstein movies there are in this series for Hammer. Oh, yeah. How many different creatures Frankenstein creates. Also, the continuity that runs through this these movies are actually... It's actually there. Same thing with the Dracula movies. When Dracula dies one way at the end of the movie, the way he's resurrected in the next movie, with the exception of Brides, um, is picks up where it's left off. Okay. Now, okay. In, in The Curse of Frankenstein, at the very end of the movie, um, he is sent to the... Uh, yeah, the guillotine. The guillotine. Okay, yeah, sorry. The guillotine. After his confession, after he talks to the priest, after he talks to Paul, after the monster tries to kill Liz, uh, which it doesn't, Liz and Paul, I guess, live happily ever after, um, somehow he escapes, but we're going to get there in a few uh, months because we're going to go through the horror, the, the Dracula films before we get back to Frankenstein. Um, and 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 from uh, the the number of creatures this guy keeps creating, and by the way, he keeps <laughs> changing his name too. So it's like Doctor Banner, who, if you know anything about the creation of the Incredible Hulk, the Incredible Hulk was based off of Frankenstein. In fact, the Hulk was originally gray and kind of human sized, just a little bigger, a little beefier. Hmm. You know, he wasn't like the giant behemoth that we see in the Avenger movies. Right. Um, but Stanley and Stanley and Jack Kirby created Frank, uh, the Hulk based off of Frankenstein. Hence why he was gray first, but then due to a color correction mistake, he became green. And then eventually oh. they wrote in a story about why he was green. Oh, wow. I always thought he was gray first because he was based off of Doomsday. So that's interesting. Okay. So let me ask <laughs> you this. When do you think the Hulk was created? You know, I don't know the exact date. I just thought that Doomsday was first. Okay. <laughs> The Incredible Hulk was created in 1961. Doomsday was created in 1992. No way. Oh, wow. So there you go. See, now I'm showing my, my hardcore DC-ness. I was just like immediately going to give the credit to DC. <laughs> I don't know if we should keep that in the podcast or not. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> my co-host thought that Doomsday came before the Hulk. <laughs> 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 go online and watch Max Landis, whose name Yes. Okay, so you I know, know exactly Ma what you're All talking right. about already. Okay. I love that video. Okay. <laughs> I also was gonna say, do you know who Max what Matt do you know do you know who Max Landis is, by the way? Yes. He's a film writer. He's also the son of uh John, John Landis. Landis. And he mm -hmm. is a notorious name that comes up under hashtag me too. Oh, I know. He. I just saw another thing that came out, like, I don't know, maybe a month ago, of even more people talking, uh, saying some shit about him. And I'm like, I believe it, though. He looks like an asshole. So when Paul shows up, nobody wants to back his story about the monster. Right. And he, um, he begs Paul to tell him, uh, to tell the priest and to tell the jailers uh, the truth of the creature. 
And to the point where it um doesn't look it doesn't start to look very good for for Victor because he starts screaming and I think he goes to choke him at one point. Yeah, and that's when uh, they they basically leave him to his demise, and the priest leaves as well. Mm-hmm. And I love at the beginning too when uh because when he uh, first asks for the priest and the priest. He's just like, do you need saving? And he's like, no, I just, I just thought of you because um, people trust you, and I think I couldn't think of anyone else who would listen to my story and that would uh, would uh, would be trustworthy. And the priest is like, you have got the wrong idea, friend. The priest um, was played by Alex Gallier, who died in 1969, but he'd had a career since the silent film era in 1912. Holy shit. Yeah, he had a long, long career until he passed away. But uh, it looks like this might be his only Hammer movie. So, hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. He was uh, a priest uh, in The Revenge of Frankenstein. He's at the execution, which The Revenge of Frankenstein is the sequel to this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is the next one. That came out in 1958. Okay, so yeah, the next year then. Yeah, the following well. year. So, um, What do you think about the way the women are treated in this movie compared to the last one? I mean, I guess I would say better, but more boring. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Justine. Justine doesn't have. Oh, not Justine. Um, the Elizabeth just is like, oh, but well, why can't I watch you, Victor? I'd like to watch yeah. you. I, I would like to help you. I would just love <laughs> to be here and be all just boring and and just uh, you know bat my eyes and and push up my breasts to you. She has nothing to do in this movie. No, she's like prim and proper wife whatever but she does nothing she just is like hi i'm here and i love you for no reason literally no reason right and paul's like hey you don't know him and i'm telling you he's fucking crazy and she's like no i don't care i i'm just gonna look pretty i don't care okay yeah (laughs) not the not the greatest representation of feminism or any type of women in power of any kind in this movie we don't get that that until brides of dracula where the brides of dracula are uh you know three women versus uh van helsing played by peter cushing (laughs) that sounds great it does but then we'll 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 we'll, we will really get into it when we start getting into the more lesbian vampire stories (laughs) yes I will say, at least Justine, she tried to fight. She was like, yeah, well, um, fuck you. I'll tell on you. Okay, I've got, I have a child. I have, I have things. I can do things to manipulate you. I know what hurts you. Uh, but unfortunately, it doesn't really work out for her. But at least she tried. Unlike Nobody can prove that he killed that guy by throwing over the banister. But right. the monster... I mean, I guess we're not in, like, an age of, like, CSI. Yeah. Because everyone seems to feel, like, pretty grateful um, to Victor for allowing, like, the funeral and the casket to be held on their estate. So I don't think anyone was even remotely suspicious, except maybe Paul. And, oh, I wanted to ask you. So, the towards the end, when, um, when the creature sees Elizabeth... He seems a little more reactive to her than he does others. And I was wondering if it was maybe um, the remnants of the brain that he had. Because the old guy, the old scientist guy, really seemed to like Elizabeth. And they t- they chatted a lot. So I was like, oh, is that like a little, a little thing maybe? Or is it just because she was there and the woman... <laughs> 
did you think that the creature had more of a reaction to Elizabeth because of the brain of the old man that was in her or in him, not in her, um, because he seemed to really like her when they were talking um, when he's at their house before he was killed by Victor or that it just so happened that they needed the climax for the movie and she was there. Um, so you think because the monster has the brain of the, uh, the guy that Frankenstein killed, Mm-hmm. that's why he has the connection to Elizabeth wants to go after her. Yeah. I, I guess I could see that, but her, I mean, that just, it doesn't really feel that way at all. I mean, in the novel, the monster actually kills Elizabeth. Oh yeah. And that's then Frankenstein right. <laughs> bring, and then he does it to, to say, now you will make me a mate. Right. Right. Yeah. And this is after Elizabeth and Frankenstein are married. Oh Yeah. That's true. The other thing is about the Frankenstein movies is that they focus more on the monster. Sorry, they focus more on the man than the monster. So we're going to see a lot of uh, Peter Cushing in these movies compared to seeing any of the monster. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I read a bit of um, was a bit of trivia that when Christopher Lee first got the script, he was complaining that he had no lines. But Cushing was like, you're lucky. I've read the script. Ouch. <laughs> right? I mean, a lot of people like The Curse of Frankenstein compared to the other Frankenstein movies. Uh, the Revenge of Frankenstein, a lot of people like. And then uh, Frankenstein Creates Woman, I think, is the one that's heralded as being uh, the favorite among the Frankenstein Hammer movies. But uh, oh, okay. overall, as the beginning movie for our introduction to this universe of Frankenstein, I thought this was all right. And that's the other thing. The universes mm-hmm. of the Hammer films are in on themselves. There are no crossover. The Universal Monster movies did have crossovers with the films like Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman or Har- The House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula had crossovers. Boris uh, B- Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, also crossover. Um, you know, with with uh, with Frankenstein, the Wolfman, and Dracula all being in the same movie, right? Um, but the Hammer horror movies all had they're pretty much their own universes. Which I mean, I I like that, and I also feel like it pretty much has to be because they reuse the same actors so often. <laughs> um, because it'd be difficult for Christopher Lee to be both. Um, Dracula. Dracula and Frankenstein in the same movie. Ah, but wait. <laughs> oh, God damn it. I did it, didn't I? You fucking son of a bitch. <laughs> It'd be difficult. Fuck. It'd be difficult for Christopher Lee to be Dracula and the creature. Right. The there we go. All right. Holy shit. <laughs> God damn it, woman. All right. <laughs> um,. Now, in, in other pop culture media, Dra- Frankenstein uh, has like been in like everything. And since comic books are so near and dear to my heart, both Marvel and DC have their own version of the Frankenstein creature. In DC Comics, he's called Frankenstein Agent of Shade. And Shade yes. is like a kind of like shield of the DC universe. By the way, Frankenstein is the monster. Now, in the Frankenstein of the Marvel Comics universe, he's referred to as the monster of Frankenstein. And has had made many appearances, teamed up with many characters like Blade and Spider-Man, um, uh, Eliza Bloodstone, and, and several, Doctor Strange, and several others. I didn't know that about um, the Marvel. Uh... Yes. The monster of Frankenstein in Marvel Comics is the monster from Mary Shelley's book. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they actually use that as their starting point. So, And it's always... <laughs> 
the descendant of Victor Frankenstein who's trying to like capture the monster, or do something with the monster. The monster itself eventually becomes part of like Fury's howling commandos. Howling oh. commandos, not just not the howling <laughs> commandos that Captain America would fight with in World War II, but a a separate group of howling commandos consisting <laughs> of like um, the Vampire by Night and the Werewolf by Night and and Legion of Monsters would have Morbius and and uh, uh, Son of Satan and Amphibian Man and the Gargoyle and the Monster Frankenstein would join that group as well. So the Monster Frankenstein would actually show up and team up with various uh, monsters throughout time in history never the bad guy just always kind of hanging out with bad monsters but also good monsters <laughs> that is so cool yeah last time i checked he was hanging out with uh, michael morbius so hmm. he's gonna be getting his own movie played by jared leto that is all the notes i have here for the curse of frankenstein the first of the hammer curse uh sorry the, the first of the first of the hammer horror frankenstein movies did you have any other notes for us Ro? Let me check. I think that pretty much uh, encompasses everything I was thinking as well. Um, doesn't seem like I have really anything else to add at this point. We've pretty much covered everything in my notes as well. Well, since it's both all the notes we have for this episode of the Hammer Horror Podcast, I want to bid everyone adieu. Don't forget to check out the rest of the great content. And you can find us on our own individual Twitters at ChrisDSAV. And you can find me at Ro Lauren, R-O-L-0-R-E-N. We'll be back in just a few weeks with The Brides of Dracula, the next chapter of the Dracula Hammer Horror Saga. Thank you, everybody. Thanks. Join us next time. The Hammer Horror Podcast is part of the Dorkening Network. Check out the other great shows that we have here on the Dorkening Network. You can find all the various shows on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and on their Facebook, as well as on Twitter.